born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Anyway, take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here a little, and there a little. Learning all the time. Sometimes you don't learn a lot of new stuff. You just get refreshed on what you already know. These scriptures, you probably have seen them a, a many a time. But just look at it one more time. I want you to see something here. In verse 1, We then as workers together... With him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. I like those words, workers together. We're workers together. It's not all about, you know, who gets the, uh, to be the big shot and all that. We're just all a little bunch of little shots. We all put our feet on the floor the same way. And uh, there's no big eyes and little U's. Everybody's the same. We just serve the Lord, do what we can wherever we are, and thank the Lord for it. But he says here uh, that... Um, Beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. In other words, the privilege of serving the Lord is not bestowed upon you in vain. Because, you see, you and I, we don't deserve the time that God has given to us. We don't deserve it. That's grace. The opportunity this side of the grave to serve the Lord, that's grace. For the indwelling Holy Spirit, that's That's grace. To be given to the new birth, to have his word, that's grace. We didn't deserve this, but these are things God has given to us. And he says, I pray that these things are not given to you in vain. And so some people get sidetracked. They don't stay too focused too well. So he says in verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, and you ought to underline this word now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And if now is the time for the lost to be saved, then now must be the time for the saved to witness. Duh. Don't that make sense? So it's always in season. Uh, I, I used to love to go elk hunting, deer hunting, rabbit hunting. And I hated to wait so long for the next season. You had to wait a year. Did you know that soul winning is always in season? And you've already been given a, not a temporary license. You've got, you've got a permanent license. You can go anytime, anywhere. 
All you got to do is find a lost person. You got the weapons. And then he makes a statement in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. You see, the overall thing about what we're doing, the cause, is more important than you and I as an individual. Because you don't want to say and do things that would cause the ministry to be blamed. And here in Corinthians, uh, these Christians were not too concerned about the testimony they had as a church. It was only about themselves, and that's why they were filled with envy and jealousy and bitterness. And you become very critical. You find fault with everything and everybody. But when you see that God wants to use everybody, and your part sometimes in serving the Lord is getting others to serve the Lord. And your example is very important. And all this takes timing. So he says there in verse 4, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonment, tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil reports and good reports, as deceivers and yet true, regardless that the ministry be not blamed. You just keep doing right, regardless of everything else. And behold, now is the time for people to trust the Lord. Don't look upon the harvest and say, we've got four months. Behold, uh, it's ripe already for harvest. Now, I want to ask you a question. What is the best year to get saved? What's the best year to get saved? All right, now listen. I've got up here. There's a 10-year-old boy standing over there. There's a 50-year-old man standing right here. There's a 90-year-old man standing over there. No, it's not Jay. Over standing over here. So we got a 10-year-old, we got a 50-year-old, and we've got a 90-year-old. When is the best time for a person to get saved? What would be the best year? 10, 50, or 90? Now, this is a very difficult question. I understand that. How many of you would say 10? How many would say 50? Some of you. How many would say 90? A few of y'all say that. Y'all are all mixed up. Are all of the above? All of the above. Well, if you believed, if you believed that you could lose your salvation, do you believe you can lose your salvation? If you believed you could lose your salvation, which would be the best year to be saved? Ten? 50 or 90? Huh? Look how many of y'all said 90. And the reason is because you have less time to lose it. Right? If you get saved when you're 90, chances are you're not going to have to battle too much with the flesh. Maybe. You don't know some 90-year-olds that I know. So, if you could lose your salvation, 
then the consensus is it'd be better to get saved when you're 90 years old so that you have less time to lose your salvation. Isn't that, or would that be the reason why you would say that? What if you died at 89? What if you died at 70? Oh, so you don't really want to wait that long. But if you could lose your salvation, you see the 10-year-old kid has got most of his sinning ahead of him. I mean, you don't take a three-year-old kid to trust the Lord. The Lord just saved me from a life of crime. Delivered me from all of my sins. <laughs> he did all of his sinning after he got saved. But you see, there is a problem with people that believe you can lose your salvation. Because if you can get saved when you're 10, you run a greater risk because of the length of time you got more opportunities to lose your salvation. Now, the one thing that most people don't think about is this. When they think you can lose your salvation, it's generally based upon the idea that you did something really, really bad. Little things don't count. Big sins, oh, you can't tell me you can commit adultery or murder and then still go to heaven. The, telling a lie or being envious or jealous, never enters their mind because they isolate those little sins from those big sins. And if I don't do those big sins, I'm good to go. Well, that all sounds maybe good a little bit. It's bad theology. But um, think about this. If God can save a man when he's 10 years old, boy, when he's 10 years old, God can save a man when he's 50 years old, and God can save a man when he's 90 years old. If this man that's 90 years old, let's just pretend that he has broken every law there is. Not just one of the Ten Commandments. I say he broke all ten of them. He's been on drugs, and you name the sin, and he's done it. He is as guilty as guilty can be. He's, he's, done, he's done it all. And he's 90 years old. Can God still save him regardless of all the bad things that he's done? Most people say, yeah. So he could have a deathbed conversion, laying on his deathbed. And after 90 years of wicked living, in that one moment, he can trust Christ as Savior and go to heaven. Now, does that sound fair? But is it true? Can God do that? But now, most people who believe you can lose your salvation say that this little 10-year-old boy, he can get saved. But if he does any of these bad things down the road, he'll lose his salvation. Isn't it amazing that God can save that 90-year-old man who has done all of those things, but can't keep that 10-year-old boy saved because he committed some of those things after he was saved? So he would be better off to be lost and get saved when he's 90 than run the risk of losing all these years. Something that just doesn't add up. It just doesn't make any sense. But believe it or not, people who believe you can lose your salvation don't understand that this 90-year-old man and that 10-year-old boy and this 50-year-old man could be the same guy. Because, you see, you were 10, and you were 50, 
and now you're our nanny. So when is the best time to get saved? Now, you and I know the best time for him, a man to get saved is as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Because God gives him eternal salvation. And what most people that think you can lose your salvation don't understand is that when Christ died for that person, God didn't die for his sins up to the time he was 10 or up to the time he was 50 or up to the time he was 90. He paid for all the sins from the time he's born till the time that he dies, whatever that might be. All the sin of every man once and for all. So that's why we say that whenever you trust Christ as Savior in early age, all these sins have already been paid. Because if the man doesn't trust the Lord there, and he lives to be 50, the Lord still paid for all these sins. But if he doesn't trust the Lord here, waits till he's 90, God still paid for all of those sins too. Because Christ only died one time. He didn't die three different times. He only died one time for the sin of this man forever. So when we believe that it's by grace, we have no trouble believing that God not only can save the kid, but keep him saved. So that when he gets 50, he's still saved. And when he gets 90, he's still saved. Now that's what we believe. But people that believe you can lose your salvation can't believe that God can keep them saved. And because they don't understand grace, because they say, well, you don't deserve that. Did the 90-year-old man who had lived his whole life in sin and yet trust Christ as his Savior? Now, God can save him, and that's okay. Because he's 90 years old. But what about the person who trusts the Lord when he's 10? And he does all this after he's saved and still gets to go to heaven. Wouldn't that be grace? That would be grace. So we are saved by grace. Now, take your Bible, look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11. 2 Corinthians in chapter 11. It makes a statement about being, you know, corrupted. See there in verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled thee through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. When you get away from the simplicity of the gospel, you'll have a false Jesus, a false gospel, and a false spirit. That's mentioned in verse 4. Three things will be false. Those false things is because there's false teachers. False teachers teach false things. Now look there in verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. They're deceitful. People who teach you can lose your salvation are deceitful. One is they have to deceive themselves first of all. And the reason they deceive themselves is because if they really and really believe that you've got to live a certain way to maintain your salvation so that you don't lose it, they never know if they already have lost it. And they are not living as good as they're preaching that they do. I've heard people say, I haven't sinned in 40 years. What's he doing when he says that? He's lying. Why can't he see that he's lying? Because he's deceived. Because he's not counting as a sin what God's word counts as a sin. 
And they think that if I don't do those certain bad things, I'm okay. But they never think about the sins of the mind. And they don't mind that if they get bitter and hateful and filled with jealousy and envy and, you know, just, just hateful. But they don't see that as that bad. And yet, that's what the Lord says. So they can keep their salvation if they don't do too bad, too long. But eventually they can lose it. So they never know when they've lost their salvation. So they deceive themselves. But not only do they deceive themselves, they deceive other people into believing the same thing. And if it's one thing for an individual to say, well, it doesn't hurt nobody but me. But if you die and you go to hell and you taught other people to believe what you believe and they go to hell, is it affecting only you? So there's false teachers who teach false things and they are believed. People believe it. And there is a consequence. So look what he says. Verse 15, therefore is no great thing if his ministers. So you know and I know that Satan has his ministers, and his ministers are ministers of righteousness, but it's human righteousness, not the righteousness of God, but it's the righteousness of man. And so they will teach that, you know, you have to do something. You, they always use the word, you're trusting Christ, but, and then they butt it all over the place. They're not really trusting Christ. They're depending upon their works for their salvation. Because bad works cost them their salvation. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew and chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You've seen these, these verses uh, an awful lot, but I want you to see this. They're in verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Today we would say beware of false preachers. Are there false preachers on radio and television? Oh, I don't believe y'all said that. And there's false preachers behind the pulpit. How do you know I'm not? You're going to have to check with the book. And if you don't know your Bible, I could teach you anything. But if you know the book, you judge and discern whether or not is that right or is that wrong. And many people in many churches cannot listen to other preachers on radio or TV or in other churches because they cannot discern whether they're right or they're wrong. And they just go by, oh, the choir was so great. Air-conditioned, padded pews. Lazy boy chairs to sit in. I thought about we ought to go to that, you know, have lazy boy chairs. And then have the ladies come in here with a little lemonade, please. A little lemonade, coffee, tea. I bet we could really increase the attendance, you know, doing something like that. And then, of course, if you want to have a donut while we're eating, you know. Gary's all favor for that. I mean, he's back here right now licking his chops. Now, look there in Matthew in chapter 7 in verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. It means they're disguising themselves. They're trying to give you the impression that they are a sheep. But what are they? They are a wolf. It means they come to devour you. 
to make merchandise of you, to use you. They don't care about your soul. They don't love you. People who are not saved by grace are trying to earn their way to heaven. So you are only a means of them trying to earn their way to heaven. You're not the object of their love. It's themselves. Because, see, they have to do certain things to try to merit or deserve to go to heaven when they die. But anyway, in verse 16, ye shall know them, the false teachers, the false prophets, by their fruit, by their message. And you must compare their message with the message of grace. And the message of grace, the gospel, is that it must be free and it must last forever. If it's not free, it's not the gospel. If it doesn't last forever, it's not the gospel. See how simple it is? So if you look there in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but they are expecting to get in, aren't they? They are expecting something that will never happen. Why? Because some false teachers convinced them of this. To me, I think murder is a great crime. I think adultery is a great crime. Raping is a great crime. There's a lot of things that are just terrible in our world. But to me, one of the worst crimes that anybody can ever do is to give somebody a false hope, a false message on how to go to heaven. And then a person who believes that false message spends an eternity in hell forever. That's worse than anything else than anybody else could ever do to anyone. That's why I think there's going to be greater judgment. Because people added to the word of God. And said that God said, and God said, I didn't say that. And so he says in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, many. Not a few, many. So there must be more people that are trusting in their works. And why are they trusting in their work? Because somebody doesn't understand grace. Because they don't know it's free. And there's people that don't understand the gospel. And there's false teachers. And they're leading people astray. And there's a great price to pay for what is being done. I think it's a shame. It really is. Now, if you read this, and it says there in the last part of this verse, verse 23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Not that you were saved once, but now you're not saved anymore. Because he says, I never knew you. So that 10-year-old boy, if he got saved and never got lost and go to hell, if he ever was saved, then God knows him as his child. He knows he believed. Well, if he can sin and then lose his salvation, then how can Jesus say, I never knew you? So no saved man can ever get lost. Because it would be impossible for Jesus to say, I never knew you. You see, one of the things about going to heaven is when you can say, I know the Lord. And the other side of that is, the Lord knows me. And it says, and we have this confidence, this foundation, this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. The Lord knoweth them that are his. So if that 10-year-old boy ever belonged to the Lord, 
then he must still belong to the Lord. And if this 50-year-old man trusts Christ as Savior, then God knows him. And God can never lose him because God can't say, I never knew you, so I can't go to hell in the future. Once the Lord knows you and you know him, it's forever. You're his child. Forever. Now, wolves in sheep's clothing try to get a person to focus upon their life, their works, because Satan knows the only thing that ruins grace is works. And not one work of man can save himself. I've heard people say, you know, and uh, I asked the Lord to help me. When I saw I couldn't save myself, I asked the Lord to help me. I've heard people make this statement. I've heard preachers make that statement. I don't need him to help me get to heaven. I need him to take me to heaven without my help. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't want my help. Because then it means that I have a part in saving myself. Jesus is not someone who comes alongside of me to help me live good enough to get to heaven. Now, he is a paraclete. He does come alongside. He is a comforter to help me, to lead and guide me and all these things. Like that, but not to save me. He saved me by himself. He had by himself purged our sin. By himself. He didn't need my help. He don't need your help. Salvation is truly, that's what it says it is, the gift of God. Now, take your Bible and turn over there to the book of Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture because you're talking to religious people. Religious people. And uh, he's talking here and says in verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they judge, make decisions, all that stuff. But he makes a statement over here in verse 13. He says, But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And get this, For ye shut up, the kingdom of God against men. In other words, what they said and the way they lived, they violated the word of God. They added to the word of God and corrupted the word of God and made their traditions the commandments of God. And so um, Jesus pulls no punches. He hits right between the eyes. And he makes this statement. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you or permit ye them that are entering to go in. There's people who want to go in. There's people. But because, he says, you have blinded, you have deceived, you have lied. And you said, God said, and God didn't say that. And notice what he says in verse 14. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. He says, For ye devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers so that people can see you. You do it to be seen of men. And they'll think that you're holy. And you walk around in certain garb that you're supposed to do. But he says, You have added so many more laws. It made it so hard upon the people. 
If you look down there in verse 4, he says, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Hmm. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogue. They do it all to be seen. They want people to look up to them as though we're some great thing. And he says, you shut the door to yourselves and others. That you could have made a difference. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.